Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Welcome to week four of Cratch the Chatterbox. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. When I grow up, I want to be tall. Welcome to Thrive Church, man. Good to have you guys with us. I'm Kevin, the lead pastor this morning. And if you guys know, if you've been with us for a while, you know this. If you're new, you don't. We're one church, two locations. And so we have the campus here at Chesterfield and another campus in Richmond. So today when I get done preaching, I'm going to hop in the car and drive to Richmond. And uh, so we're praying for your brothers and sisters across the river. Um, they're doing a great work over there. And so keep those guys lifted up. Um, really quick, I just want to uh, you know, give you some something to get happy about. Was We did get our parking lot paved over here on the side, right? I mean, you parked there. Have you parked there yet? Who's parked there? That's good. All right. Now, you may say, what's big with paving a parking lot? We've got our permanent occupancy permit, which means in the future, our goal here at Thrive is to continue to expand this building, use it for the glory of God and his purposes. We're looking in the future to, to take that side over there where all the kids and youth are at. Our, our vision and goal is uh, hopefully do two stories and have an awesome kids and youth center, have a kitchen in there, um, deck it out, have it ready for youth and children. That's our plan, but we had to get a parking lot paid first, right? And so um, our goal in there is to have an awesome facility, classrooms, meeting areas, things of that nature, uh, big pictures to pave. All, of, all the grass you see will be paved so we can fit all you knuckleheads and your friends who aren't here yet at Thrive. And so thank you who were able to give to that. Um, we'll let you know um, in the future what the next phases are. We're now praying and looking through the options of what God has for us, and we'll keep you updated. But thank you for all who gave. We raised a little over half so far of what we had to pay for it, so thank you for that. Um, also, too, next week, if you're new at Thrive, connect with me at 11.30 a.m. in the cafe next Sunday. If you've not been to 101 yet and you've been here a year, shame on you. You need to go to 101. That's your first step. And so if you can, come meet me next uh, Sunday over there at 101. Well, if you can, go ahead and turn your copy of God's Word to Philippians 4, verse 10. Philippians 4, uh, starting with verse 10. If you're uh, with us today, you should receive a connection card. Make sure, as I tell you every week, on that card, if you're a new guest, you can say, hi, I'm new here. Um, I can get some information to you. If you have a prayer request, we can pray for you. If you want to step up and serve, whatever you need to do, that card is your ticket there to put it in a basket, and we will follow up with you. We're in week four of Crash the Chatterbox. And here's what I've tried to do over the past four weeks with this series, is to help each one of you. Because the greatest battle you fight is not with people. It's not at your job. It's not your family. The greatest battle you fight is between your ears. And it's called your mind. There are uh, many times out of a week we have tons of thoughts that come through our brain. The first week I told you that many times you have 60,000 uh, thoughts that come through and, and over 80% of those are negative that come through your brain. And it causes us so many times you hear that chatter to go on and tell you and speak to you. It causes you to shy away from the purposes of God. And I've seen that so much in pastoral ministry where people, you know, dig in to serve God. They dig in to connect with the Lord. They dig in to surrender to Christ. But because of the chatter, they back off from what God has for them. And so I wanted to help you with that. And today what I want to do is help you understand uh, the, the, the importance of overcoming discouragement when the chatter comes at you. If I asked you who was the most influential Christian of the last century, who would you probably say it was? Of, of, of the last century, Paul died. Uh, Paul, Paul died a long time ago, y'all. 
Yeah. And so, so if you said, who's the, who's the most influential Christian the previous hundred years? We'd all have probably somebody we, we, we bring up, right? Oh, and none of your answers are probably wrong, but you are wrong today. No, I'm kidding. Uh, probably the most influential Christian of last century was Mother Teresa. In 1929, she started an orphanage in India. And by 2012, in 133 countries, they had 4,500 women serving the, the impoverished, the poor, those who needed food, those who had leprosy, those who were debilitated. They served them. That was their full-time job is serving those who couldn't serve themselves. Well, as you know, Mother Teresa also made the cover of Time magazine. She won the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, I don't know about you, but that seems pretty good, right? If you win the Nobel Peace Prize... And you have orphanages across the world. You've probably reached the pinnacle, hadn't you? Right? I mean, wouldn't you say, yeah, that's probably the greatest thing a Christian could do. But I want you to realize something. Even Mother Teresa had doubts, discouragements, fears. She believed she wasn't good enough. She didn't feel close to God most of the time. And the reason I know that is because I want you to, I want you to hear this journal entry that Mother Teresa wrote on September 3rd, 1959. Mother Teresa wrote this. She said, the darkness surrounds me on all sides. I can't lift my soul to you, God. No light or inspiration even enters my soul. I speak of love for souls and of tender love for you, God. Words pass through my lips and I long with a deep longing to believe them most of the time. Now, if I just read that journal entry to you, you would think that that person wasn't doing anything for God, right? But when you look at people who are going to serve God and do the most for the Lord, you're going to face the most discouragement as well. And you've got to get over the fact that if she faced it and if Paul faced it and different ones faced it, you will too. The biggest battle is to continue to do what God's called you to do, to be obedient to the scriptures, even while you're really discouraged. The key is learning to be content in everything that God has you in. I think it's one of the things in America is that if you go to another country, the believers there are so full of joy. America is like, you know, we couldn't pay credit card bills that we ran up credit cards to buy clothes we're not wearing anymore, so we're discouraged, right? In other countries, they ain't got shoes and they just love Jesus. And I love interacting with believers from other countries, especially third world countries. Because they've learned the secret of what we have not learned. And the Apostle Paul shared this, and I love this, in in Philippians 4, 10 through 14. One of my favorite passages of scripture. But he's learned that many times it's not the situation you're in, but it's your attitude towards your situation. It's not that are you in a good situation or a bad situation, but it's where is your attitude in the situation that you're in. And so if you wanted to come share the bad situation you were in, I would tell you it's your perspective, not the situation. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says, and I love this here. He's in prison writing this, and not like a good prison, you know, like where you have TVs and weights and basketball, and he was in a dungeon. In the first century, the Apostle Paul writes this to a church that he started. And they were, they, were, they were really, really caring for him about him being in prison for preaching the gospel. And here's what he says. He says in verse 10, How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. And Philippi really loved Paul. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. 
For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I have learned to be content with what? Whatever I have. Teenagers. Amen. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Let me pause there for a second, because many of you have taken Philippians 4.13 out of context. And, I, and, 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 and Hallmark, I, I really hold Hallmark to this. Because in context, what's Paul talking about? Being content, right? Right? Being content. So in being content, I've learned to live with everything. I can be little, plenty, jail or not jail. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now do you realize the context of this here? It is not that you can do anything you want to through Christ. Do you realize that that is logically not possible? I can do anything through Christ. No, you can't. Go sign up for the NFL training camps this week. And you go in there and say, I can do all things through Christ and they will kill you. <laughs> I can do anything I want to do. No, here's what Paul was saying. You can find the secret of living no matter where you find yourself at. You can be content whether you have little or whether you have much. You can have joy in any situation. Now that's good preaching. You can have joy in any situation. Isn't that beautiful? Whether you have a lot or whether you have little in America, we're trying to follow the American dream. And then Paul says in verse 14, even so you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So Paul wanted them to understand that no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how discouraged you are, you can have the inner strength to press through that. And you can actually have joy even while you're going through that. So I, and I said this the first week, you can't crash the chatterbox. Do you realize this series is, you can't, you can't shut up that voice in your head that keeps talking to you. But you can learn to combat that voice in your head that keeps talking to you. You hear what I'm saying? You can't, it's not like TV where like, okay, I went through four weeks of crash the chatterbox, I'm done. I ain't got no more chatter in the head. All positive thoughts from me. You can't do that. You You can't stop it, but you can manage it. You can check, challenge, and change the thoughts that come through your head. Um, And the key is learning to hear God and get his perspective on every situation that you're going through. See, you have to be resolute. And as the voices of discouragement come, guys, you have to be resolute that I will not stop. I will not quit. I can do in this situation exactly what God's called me to do. I've seen more people quit because of discouragement than anything else. It's because you don't battle the discouraging thoughts that come to your head. And so your, your first blank says this. Discouragement is our biggest enemy when it comes to the belief that we can. Discouragement is our biggest enemy when it comes to the belief that we can. See, and I don't know what your can is. Maybe your marriage is in shambles. And you're like, man, you know, I just don't know. And you, and you, and you can just feel the enemy saying to you, it ain't never going to work out. That joker ain't never going to change. It's never going to get any better. The addiction that, that maybe you're facing or a family member is, it's never going to quit. The cycle's going to always continue. If you're single in here, the enemy's telling you that you can't be satisfied unless you find somebody. And you get the discouraging thoughts all the time that hit you. 
And you've got to realize that discouragement is the biggest enemy when it comes to the belief that you can do that. And you know why? Because the enemy, enemy of your souls does not want you to finish the race. He wants you to quit. Do you hear me? Satan wants you to quit. He wants you to stop pressing into Jesus. He wants you to back off from, from really leaning in to serve Jesus. That's his goal. So anytime you feel that, that desire to stop, to quit, to, to not press on, to not dig in, you know the enemy is coming after you. The enemy is coming after you. So here's what I want to do for you today, guys, because I know if you've lived this week, how many of you guys have lived this week? Anybody lived this week? Good. Most of you have. The rest of you didn't. I didn't know what you were doing. Maybe you were in a chiro, was it, cryogenic, cryogenic chamber. You were frozen for the last week. But if you've lived for the past week, you have faced discouragement. If you have, if, if you have opened your eyes and interacted with the world, you have faced discouragement on some level. Something has happened where it did not turn out like you expected. Something has happened where, that, that you got news you didn't think you would get. And you've probably faced discouragement. So let, so let me help you guys. This is some stuff that I jotted down and uh, um, study that's helped me. So here's how you battle discouragement. You have to battle discouragement from number one is the next level lie. The next level lie. That blank is lie. And look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. And I love this here with Paul. Because Paul was, again, in the first century, the man, dude. He planted lots of churches, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And here's what Paul says. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Do you realize he wasn't writing poetry here, church? It wasn't like Paul was sitting on the beach going, hmm, we're not hunted down, but we're abandoned by God. Paul was at a place when he went to Corinth and he come back on that mission trip. He had been beaten. He had been 39 lashes, uh, 40 lashes minus one to 39 lashes. He had been hunted by people. He had been, they tried to stone him to death and that was not by smoking weed. That was real stones. Some of y'all thinking, you don't know what stone really is. But they tried to kill him for the sake of the gospel. And look what Paul's saying here. We get knocked down, but we get up again. No, he's... <laughs> He, did. he said, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Isn't that beautiful? Through suffering, watch this, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Meaning that when he was being beat, when he was shipwrecked, when everything was falling apart, his attitude toward the situation shined Christ's light to everyone around him. That's why singing in the prison, you're thinking, see, y'all trying to use this whole thing, you know, you need to sing in church because they sung in the prison. Some of y'all need to learn how to sing in the prison, not in church. Because it was singing in the prison when they were shackled that set others free. You know why it did? It wasn't because they, they, they shook, just shook it loose or whatever. We, we do so much crazy stuff in church and make it like a, a circus act. They were chained, shackled. Their, their hands couldn't move. Didn't have food or water. And they're singing praises to God. And the jailer, everybody's around them saying, how could they do that in that situation? 
Stephen being stoned forgave the people. See, it's your response to the situation, not the situation that matters. And many of us believe, and this is the next level lie, we believe that if we just got to the next level, we would get past all this. How many of you would believe that, that Paul was a next level Christian, right? He was like on another level, whole another level. I mean, Paul was doing things that we dream of doing for the Lord. And it wasn't like Paul graduated from suffering and Paul graduated from being betrayed and Paul graduated from all these bad things. And I don't know about you, but I bought into the lie before that if I just get to the next level, and that's whatever that is, it's the if-then mentality. When I get here, then all this will be so much better. And we believe sometimes spiritually, if I could just grow in the Lord enough, I'll never face this stuff again. Where Paul, the more he did for God, the more he got beat, the more he got hurt, the more he got abandoned, the more he got betrayed. And we just believe if I go to another level in the Lord, if I could just study and pray more, which you should, and, and, and worship more, and you should, then all this stuff will go away. When really, you got to realize something. Sometimes when you're right in the middle of the will of God, things are the, are the, are the roughest. All right. Don't ever think that because everything's good, I'm in the middle of the will of God. Oh, it's good. God's just giving you a break from storms that are coming. But it's your response to them that matters. See, I learned this principle early on in life, but I didn't really understand it till recently. I used to play Nintendo. Anybody play some Nintendo in here? Nintendo lovers. All right. Some of y'all in here, the rest of you are lying because you know you played Nintendo. Even you, you older folks, you used to get your kids joysticks and you would try to play. Well, the key to those games, remember Legend of Zelda. Super Mario. The, 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 the further you got in the game, the harder the game got, right? It didn't get easier. It's like when you got to the end of Legend of Zelda, it was crazy. When you got to the end of, 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 of Mario Brothers, it was crazy. When you got to the end of Contra, you really needed left, left, up, 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 down, down, left, right, left, right, B.A. start. Does anybody remember that? If parents, that's what your kids were doing. They were getting extra lives on Contra and unlimited lives through, through, through doing that, that thing there. And the further you got, the more that you needed. It didn't get easier. And I don't know where we bought into this idea that if I just get to another level, then I will not face what I'm facing. See, there was a, a lady named Joyce Myers. Some of you heard of her, right? And Joyce Myers said, with, with new levels bring new devils. But Manny understands this is how Joyce Myers said it. She said, with new levels come new devils. You ever listen to Joyce Meyer? Yeah, she's got that voice. She says, with new levels come new devils. <laughs> and you got to realize that too, is that, that with new levels in the Lord will come new challenges that you'll face. And the world is looking to see how we respond to those things. See, what happens is you face discouragement when you buy into the next level lie. You sign up for the 90 day tithe challenge. Man, I'm going to get my, my finances in order. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to give. And then boom, something happens to you devastating financially. And you thought, man, if I took the next level, next step, that wouldn't happen to me. Some of you sign up to serve and your tire goes flat every time you get ready to show up to Sundays to serve, right? And you're thinking, well, I, I shouldn't even try it. God must not want me to try it. No, honey, you need to pump the tire up and keep serving God, right? See, we believe if we get to a new level, we won't face these things. You start praying and reading the word and things get tough. But new levels come new 
devils. One more Nintendo reference and I'll move on. I, I really will. You, you that are over the age of 45 are mad at me today. And you that are under the age of 35 like this. But there was a game called Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And who remembers the first character that you faced? His name was Glass Joe. Glass Joe. And he was easy to defeat, right? And then you upgraded to Don Flamenco, right? Then you upgraded to Piston Honda. And then finally you got to Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson was tough, wasn't he? Right? I mean, Mike Tyson was fast. Every 14 seconds he would blink his eye once and he would swing and you had to move. And every 28 seconds he blinked it twice and it was two hits and you had to move. And it took me hours to defeat Mike Tyson. But if we used our, just listen, if we used our mentality against that, we would think you start with Mike Tyson and it got easier. It doesn't. And in life, it's the same way. You start with Glass Joe and you end up getting to Tyson. You're thinking, man, man, this is difficult. That means you're at a new level. If it's difficult, you're at another level. So don't be discouraged because you bought into the next level lie. New levels bring new devils. Amen? (laughs) The second point is this, the expectation gap. You've got to battle discouragement from the expectation gap. And look at Matthew 21.9. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's the famous Palm Sunday when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. They were laying palm leaves down. They said, this is the king. Because all the people in Jerusalem, listen to me. We're expecting this guy to ride in on that donkey. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I would ever follow a leader who rode in on a donkey, but, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, donkeys aren't really, you know, creatures that look majestic, right? Um, but Jesus was that good. That's how, he was that good of a leader. So he rides in on a donkey, and they're just shouting, yes, he will crush Rome. The Israel will rule, and Israel will reign. And then several days later, he's hanging on a cross. Their expectations were here. Jesus will do this for us and Jesus will do that and Jesus will make it all okay because that's the Messiah that we want to create in our minds. And then several days later, Jesus is hanging on a cross. Rome would not be defeated by Israel and they would continue to be under Rome's rule. And all their expectations in one week were shattered. See, you and I had the same thing that we face. It's called the expectation gap. See, you know where discouragement lives at? Listen to me. The difference between reality and expectation. There's a little place called discouragement you can stop off at. And if you've been married more than a week, you will know this, right? You probably have had expectations of your spouse that they could never meet. And about three years into it, you realize they don't pick up their socks. They can't cook certain meals like mama could. And you hit that expectation gap and then you get discouraged because you never had a proper view of reality. So you realize that expectation and reality, you have this place called discouragement. And many of us today do that with Jesus as well. We expect Jesus to do this and do that and you better do it this way. And this is how it all should play out, Jesus, because I know I'm good, I'm smart, right? I'm writing the story, Jesus. And so if you will, as we pray, if you will, Lord, I wish you would do A like this and B like this and C like that. Just a little bit. And Lord, if you will, put the cherry on top by doing this for me. This will be great. In the name of Jesus. 
and say them in the name of Jesus as many times as you can to make yourself feel good, right? And then you show up in A, B, C, and D. Know that it happens like it's supposed to. Sometimes it does. Many times it doesn't. And you get discouraged. Because you had expectations. You had Jesus the same way they did. To do certain things for you. That Jesus was not in his plans because he knows better. And friends, I've seen so many people fall into that, that discouragement from the expectation gap. Maybe it was a job that ended badly for you. You took this job, you thought it'd be great, you thought it was a dream job, and it ended badly. And so you had discouraged. Maybe it was a marriage that you were in. And you thought that relationship would be great forever. And that relationship ended badly. And you got discouraged because expectations didn't meet reality. Maybe it's a place in life that you're in. Maybe it's a place in life that you thought you'd be further along by now. Maybe you thought you'd know a little more and be a little smarter and have a little more money and, 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 and be stronger in certain areas and addictions would be taken out and you're still facing some of those things. And so expectation and reality aren't meeting and discouragement has hit you. But you've got to realize this. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.10. This is my paraphrase and you can read it again if you want to. Whether it goes great or whether it goes bad, I can do this through Jesus. Whether it goes great or it goes bad, I can do this through Jesus. Whether it meets my expectations or not, I can be joyful through Christ. And if you have that understanding, whether my expectations are fully met or they're not met, Lord, I can find joy in you. Because you cannot let the results of life dictate your joy. Paul didn't do that, did he? Paul didn't do that. He had joy in every situation. So don't let what you expected keep you from what God wants you to experience. Did you hear that? Don't let what you expected keep you from what God wants you to experience. Because God may have something he wants you to experience through what you are going through. Here's the third and final point this morning. How do you battle discouragement when it comes and the chatter's rolling? Is the ungrateful heart. It's the ungrateful heart. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I want you to realize that where you're going to battle discouragement from is an ungrateful heart. It's what most teenagers have, right parents? <laughs> Ain't thankful for nothing, are they? You know it. Most of them. Now, now some of y'all in here are the exceptions. Some of y'all are very thankful. And yeah, you know, so I'm not talking about all y'all, but that's what happens. But realize thankfulness and praise is the attitude and heart of the believer. Ungratefulness is from the pit of hell. When you read the Bible, it speaks so many times of being grateful and thankful in everything that you're facing. Understanding that, that the Lord is working in your situation no matter what you're facing. And see, Satan will seek to discourage us by letting us focus on the things we don't have. You hear me? Or the things somebody else has. And he will make you feel like you don't have what you need. Okay, let, let me just share this with you real quick. Gratitude is a discipline. Do you hear me? All right. It's a discipline. You know what a discipline is? Some of y'all have never heard that before. <laughs> I mean, you've got to work hard to do it. I mean, you've got to get up and you've got to force yourself some days to say, Lord, I choose to look at the good things going on in life. I choose to focus on what is happening instead of what is not happening. I choose to be a duck hunter. 
I got some of your attention. You know what that means being a duck hunter? When you go hunting ducks, you're going to miss hundreds of ducks. You may get 10 of them. But do you realize a duck hunter doesn't focus on what he didn't get? He focuses on what he did get. And in your life and my life, we have to focus on what we do have. See, gratitude begins where our sense of entitlement ends. See, you can be content. You can do it. What can you do? Be content and grateful in any situation you're facing. You can't control what comes at you, can you? But you can control how you respond to it. You can't control what comes at you, but you can control how you respond to it. And that's where discouragement lives, friends. It's how you respond to those things. See, joy is the opposite of discouragement. Joy is the opposite of discouragement. Let me ask you this. What is the number one discouragement you need prayer for today that is keeping you from moving forward? What's the one discouragement you've had this week that has kept you from moving forward? That's almost paralyzed you. What's the one thing that you had this lofty expectations and list of prayer and maybe it didn't turn out that way? What is that for you? Because I believe the day the Lord wants to do some work in the heart. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to help you with whatever you're facing with that. If you will, stand to your feet this morning. And this is a time when we'll let the Lord do some surgery on our hearts. Bow your head and close your eyes in here. Just stand to your feet and get your blood pumping a little bit. Where is it today that you have battled discouragement from? Has it been the next level lie that if you just get a little more money, if you just get a little more this, a little more that, even a little more spiritual, that you'll never have problems or you'll be past problems? And maybe you're discouraged today. Maybe you're telling me in this place, Kevin, man, I, I really thought if I just got to this point, I'd be past all this. Not realizing with new levels come new devils. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I had such great expectations for this situation and it didn't turn out like I wanted and like I prayed for, like I asked God and I wrote down and I fasted and it turned out opposite of what I prayed for and I'm discouraged. Or maybe today you're saying, man, I have such an ungrateful heart. I complain all the time. I walk around talking about everything that's wrong. I complain about my body and my hurt, where I hurt. I complain about my job. I complain about the church. I complain about everything. And maybe the Lord's saying for you, the key to, to have you, you find encouragement is being grateful. If today you would say to me, Kevin, I've been battling discouragement this week and I need some prayer. Will you pray for me? Just lift your hand high and say, I've been battling discouragement this week. I, I just need some prayer. Amen. Amen. Right where you're standing, I want to pray for you and I want to ask the Lord to empower you right where you're at today that you would leave here with encouragement. Father, I pray today that you would begin to do a work in our hearts. I pray, God, that every person in here that's faced discouragement, maybe they got news or report about something and they've had such great discouragement of heart that, Lord, you would help them be of good cheer today. That, Father, you would speak to them. That you would touch them in this place, God. I pray, Father, for joy to fill our hearts. For gratitude to fill our hearts. 
for your power to fill our hearts, God, today. And Lord, I pray that as discouragement comes to us, we would turn to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we would say, Jesus, we trust you in this situation. And we know that you're working all things together for the good of those uh, uh, for, who are called according to your purpose. So you can conform us to the image of Christ. I just pray today you would fill every heart, every person that raised their hand in here, God. You begin to fill them right now, God, with joy from heaven. The peace that only comes from heaven. To Lord, they would leave with a new outlook. That whether they have it all, or whether they lost it all, or whether they're in the middle of that, they can be content. For we can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. We can find contentment in every situation that we're in. And God, we praise you today that you do that in our lives. We love you and we thank you, God. And church, if you will right now. As they lead in this song, I want you to just take a moment. I don't want you running out or trying to get some coffee. I want you to take a moment right now and ask the Lord right where you're standing. Ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart. To kill that complaining spirit, the unrealistic expectations, and pray for the joy of the Lord to fill you. For that is your strength.